You're listening to Foresight, a podcast about making work better. I'm your co-host, Mark Edgar, a former consultant and coach who now works as a chief people officer on a mission to make work more human. And I'm Naomi Teitelman, a former big firm consultant and HR executive, now striving to make work better one organization and one leader at a time. Every week, we'll discuss the latest trends that are impacting the new world of work to help you be a better leader for the future. Welcome to Foresight, a podcast about making work better. I'm your co-host, Naomi Teitelman, and in today's episode, we feature a conversation I had with Kimberly Didrickson of Learning Motherhood about the importance of supporting working parents in our organizations, especially as they return from parental leave. Kimberly is also co-host of the podcast called Motherhood and Career Collide, so check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Now on with the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm so excited to have Naomi from Foresight here. She has an amazing podcast and I'm going to let her introduce herself, but there's a lot of reasons why we have come together. One of the biggest reasons is the focus that I have at Learning Motherhood on working with HR teams and benefits teams to bring parent-friendly programming. And she has an amazing background in human resources. So I'm excited to talk to her today. I'm excited for you all to hear from her today. And I'm going to let her introduce herself. Naomi, thanks. Thanks for being here. And thanks for like coming up with this idea for us to do this sort of crossover today. Yeah, I love this crossover. And this is our first crossover at Foresight. So I'm really excited for this conversation as well. I'm Naomi Teitelman-Cola. I am the co-host of Foresight, the podcast. I also am co-owner, co-founder of Future Forward with a little HR in the middle. And our mission is to make work better. So I work with my partner, Mark Edgar, and our mission really is to make work better for the future, both through leaders as well as through the HR profession. So really excited to be here today. And likewise, I was really excited to speak to Kim today because parenting, I mean, parents are just such a critical demographic, such a critical persona in our workplaces. And obviously, you know, the pandemic you know, caused a lot, a lot of disruption, a lot of angst for working parents. And I think a lot of that is still with us. And so I wanted to chat with Kimberly about how we can think about, you know, parents as a critical persona in our organizations, what we can do to better support them, what we can do to think about the integration into our broader employee value proposition, thinking about as HR professionals, how we better support working parents. So I'm really excited to get into it. So thank you so much for for having me today, Kim, and welcome to Foresight as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know what learning motherhood is or a background on that, our focus is we're a consulting agency that really works tirelessly on bringing parent-friendly programming to organizations. And so we do that in a couple of different ways. We have a coaching component. We have a new parent-friendly programming specifically for that transition of going on parental leave and returning from parental leave. And then we also have additional support for individuals and speaking component to help with organizations like building awareness for parent-friendly culture. And so I'm super passionate about this because I was a professional like 
really far in my career and decided to have kids. I was a leader and sort of was smacked in the head by parenting. (laughs) Yeah. It shocked me because I had thought in my leadership role, I thought, okay, I'm just going to put this baby on my hip and drop him off at daycare and continue on with my career goals. And we're not going to skip a beat. It's just like a check on the goals that are our own family goals. And we're sort of just going to keep going. Yeah. As many of you all know, listening, and I know Naomi, you know this too, like that is not what happens. That's like, it's a complete shock to our system. I worked for a Fortune 100 company and I was sort of like, wow, how do we not recognize this? How is this just like, when are you coming back to work? I'm like such a different person now and no one's like acknowledging this. And while I worked for an organization that I loved and I loved the people there, I realized that there was a lack of resources and acknowledgement for this transition and women were leaving the organization. And so when I looked left to right, how do you handle this? Everyone just said you power through. Mm -hmm. I just thought, no, that's not okay. So that's what I'm here to do is kind of change that in corporate America, build awareness and change how we show up for parents and retain parents in the workplace and also women because leadership is such a huge component of retaining women leaders in the workplace. And then additionally, we have this wonderful podcast called Motherhood and Career Collide. And it's all about the realities of all the things that make up our day-to-day and how we survive. Yeah. Oh, I love all of that. And, you know, as as our mission is making work better, there are so many low-hanging fruit opportunities to make work more, more palatable for working parents. And the things that we can do help support not just working parents, but people who are not parents as well. So, you know, the whole flexibility conversation, I think, started with working parents, but it's an example of something that is beneficial to everyone. So, you know, taking care of parents doesn't mean only taking care of parents. It really means taking care of the broader organization's well-being and having a frame of mind where people are people, they're actually human, and we can do things to better support them to be better at their jobs if we take care of, you know, what they're worrying about at home. Yeah, I totally agree. And we have this thought of like recognizing caregivers as really sort of encompassing all those that sort of have these needs, whether it is in parenting or it is with elderly care or it is with someone that is going through treatment of some time. There's all these different reasons why, as an example, you said flexibility is so important or, and that does impact those that don't have children and are needing that support. And it's really interesting because if you look at one of the incredible reports that come out each year from Lean In Org. I don't know if you've checked that out, but I'm always like on that one because they talk about parenting women and leadership in there. And one of the things that they did in the last report was really specifically on this idea of, of employees under 30 and what are their kind of like hot points for things that are really important to them that are going to keep them there at an organization for over two years. 
And one of those things was flexibility that was mm-hmm. on there. So you're, I, I echo what you're saying there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Flexibility. I mean, looked very different before the pandemic than, than now. And those who listen to Foresight know that I can get on many a soapbox about hybrid working and why it's the best of both worlds and all that good stuff. But the conversation did not just start happening during the pandemic. It's been around for a really long time. And again, the more we can think about win-wins in our organization, where it where it empowers people to do their best work where and when they they can, you know, the better and the and the healthier, more effective, more productive workplaces we will have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I came from a sales organization. So the part, the arm I was a part of was on sales. So we were out in the field quite a bit and then returning into the office at points in the day if we were able to do that. But sort of the mindset was at even that time, what as a being a leader in the sales organization was like, Hey, you know, you got to get your stuff done. And I like, you're an adult and I know that there's obligations that come up. I'm here to support you. But also like, I'm not going to watch over you constantly. And so flexibility was a huge component of like how we had to work. We had to work that way. Yeah. And there were versions of how different sales offices kind of ran. Like some were like, you need to be there in the beginning of the day and the end of the day all during the week. That's not how I did it for my team, but I know that's drastically different. And I'm glad to see that that's one of the things that's come out of the pandemic is that that has become more accepted, especially in more traditional environments like finance and legal and some of those other areas where it really was not accepted as something that you could do. Yeah, absolutely. Mark and I like to talk about the concept of tight, loose, tight. So tight on the goals and what's expected tight on the accountability and the follow-up and then the looseness in the in the middle. So, you know, flexibility around when, where, how you get your work done. So very simple model. We keep it in mind quite a bit as we work with organizations. Not always easy to implement if you're used to that kind of, you know, command and control type of environment. So mm-hmm. lots of opportunity, not just for parents, but for everybody in the flexibility space for sure. So Kim, I'm really eager to hear your thoughts on why you think now is a critical time to focus on parents returning to work. Why is now different than before? Well, there's a couple things and I hate, like you mentioned the pandemic earlier on, and it's unfortunate we have to kind of like use that as a base point. But the reality is, is that that really burnt out parents and characters as a whole. And we're still recovering from that. So one reason why this is so important is that component is that there was no sort of like, okay, let me put the foot off the gas. It was like full speed all through the pandemic with caregiving responsibilities. And now that we're not, let's talk about how we're going to like re-entry into more, more work and how that's going to be distributed for an organization with layoffs happening and all these other components that have become a reality during this time. But I will also add that we also have a real issue in this country that's never been addressed and never gotten to a point where we've been able to sort of get through it. 
in the United States. Specifically, we have this issue of not having parental leave. So you don't have paid parental leave in the United States. We have what is called FMLA, which is Family Medical Leave Act, but that does not include being paid. So it's job protection for three months, but it's also, um, you have to qualify for that. So there's qualifications for that too. So we need organizations to fill in these gaps to help support parents feel like they can return and feel like they're able to return as who they are now. I remember going through that transition and feeling like, wow, uh, I'm different. Are they going to accept me for who I am now? Like I have these other responsibilities that are pulling at me the same way that work was pulling at me and it feels very different. And so that is another component to this. And the last piece is of this is that companies or employees are demanding this. If you look around because of the pandemic, another positive thing that happened to the pandemic is that these programs started to get some coverage nationwide, worldwide. And it was such a huge piece to be able to see like, okay, like career parents are, are getting heard and, and this is hard and we need support and we need help. And we're seeing companies do that. So if you're not providing that support, there's another organization that is. And you could lose that talent. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the piece about the pandemic is, is, you know, heavy on my mind on a very regular basis. So, you know, what the pressure that was put on working parents, particularly working mothers, was unsustainable. And as a result, we saw many, many women, very talented women, leave the workforce entirely because they just could not handle all of the additional burden. I mean, no human can handle that that amount of burden. And you're absolutely right that we're still recovering from the pandemic. I think we will be for a very long time. And anything we can do to help support women who either have made a, a decision to come back to work after leaving the work the workplace for a little while or are re-entering as a first-time parent or a second-time parent, the, the better. And that includes, you know, not just, you know, programs for them, but also programs for leaders and, you know, how to have a more inclusive approach with your teams. And, and those kind of dialogues are happening now more than ever, which is a positive thing. But we also have to think about how these programs integrate in a broader, you know, well-being and diversity inclusion belonging strategy. So what, what what are your thoughts in terms of how a focus on parents plays into a broader DEIB or diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging strategy? And how does this impact a company's success? Well, my thoughts on it are is that we can't ignore the realities of what we just talked about. So if we ignore that, our companies are, you know, I feel like those questions kind of like meld into one, to be honest, because if we ignore the ability to include that in the strategy for DEI, we are losing part of who that person is in a caregiving responsibility. And so we have to, there are, there is specifics related to that. Someone that retur- is returning from work from being on parental leave is going through you know, whatever scenario that feels for them. And there's some broader strokes that you can include in that. Like we talked about, flexibility is one of those really high level ones that will impact everyone. But then there's some things that are really specific to that transition back to work. 
that need to be addressed to retain that person in the workplace. And if you're losing that person in the workplace, then you're also going to have the other end of the spectrum, which is you're losing money because the soft dollar costs to hire and retrain are exponential. And they actually do also impact the realities of that that job. So I take the example of me being in a sales part of the organization specifically. So when we lose someone, someone else has to take care of those clients. Somehow we have to figure out a way to continue to do business development to add more dollars back into our funds. And then we also have to navigate also hiring someone else. So the focus for that manager that leadership and actually HR was a key component for that for us. Our HR team was part of the hiring process. So that's also taking away from other responsibilities as, as well. And so that cost alone is why it's so important. But, you know, going back to that DEI strategy, we have to humanize the workplace. And if we're ignoring this component, we're unable to really bring this whole person at the ability that they want to be at to be present and be able to do their best work. And without that support, we're, we're missing a key component is the best way I can describe it. So the investment in it is making that holistic view on the entire person, not just one part of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, we think about these programs and these elements and these strategies at kind of the highest, most macro level. And really, employees are experiencing culture directly from their leaders and directly from their team members. So what should leaders be aware of when their teammates return to work after a parental leave? And how can they best support them to do their best work? So I think the first thing, and I'm going to tell you like just one very simple tip. It's like literally right at the root of a micro thing that you could do immediately which is tell your employee not to focus on email. Mm -hmm. When they show up at their desk and they look at an employee, look at work that's actually, they pull up their email, it's going to feel like a heavy weight is on their back. And how are they possibly going to get this weight off of them? Instead, the conversation should be a conversation together about the next four weeks and how that re-entry is going to look. And instead of doing the email, ha- encourage your employee to set up meetings with those that have been supporting them to get up to speed. And then those, then that like feels less overwhelming and helps them through that re-entry. And of course, like eventually they're going to look back at some of these emails, but like if we, st- that is probably. That is the hardest thing that I hear from my, the, those that I work with is like the thought of like all the work they're going to have to catch up on from being gone. So at the very micro level, giving them the permission to do it differently is so, is so, is such a key piece. And we talk about that at learning motherhood all the time when we're helping leaders kind of, you know, through this conversation of how to do this re-entry and how to do it right to help an employee feel really supported through that transition. It's such a key component to this. And in order to do this right, you also have to be very careful on how you communicate 
So your communication really matters in this piece as it does overall, but like the word choices you use, like I use an example of, you could say, I'm so excited for you to come back. We're so thrilled to have you. The team has missed you. And guess what your employee is hearing? Oh my gosh, they're so excited for me to come back because there's so much work to get done. And I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I don't like my team's been doing this for me. Now I, I like, I feel so bad. And like all these things start running through their head and they're like, I can't do this. I can't go back to work. I'm just going to bail. Mm-hmm. So instead of that, we flip that conversation and we use different terminology and words to demonstrate that we're here to support you through this tr- transition. What do you need from us to feel good? Mm-hmm. And it's a completely different conversation when you change the wording and the verbiage and how you need them through this. So that's like on a leadership level, you know, kind of going through that process and your employee returns, just a couple like small tips there. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is help prioritization. So it is the leader's responsibility after an employee has been gone for an extended period of time, depending on what country you're in. It could be anywhere from, you know, three months to zero months to 18 months in Canada. We can take up to 18 months, not not paid. But, you know, that looks very different depending on how long they've been away and may need some more support prioritizing their workload. And is there stuff they have to catch up on from the past or are they starting fresh from this point on? And I like that idea of connecting with people who have been taking on your role while you're out to kind of get almost like a highlight reel as opposed to getting deep into the details. And they can kind of help you navigate which emails you have to pay attention to, which projects you have to pay attention to. In this day and age, it's not just emails, it's Slack messages, it's right. share drive contributions, it's all sorts of different different modes of collaboration. So I like that idea of reorienting the person when they get on board, almost not giving them access to email for a, for, <laughs> for a week or two to help them build those healthy habits. Exactly. So I really like that. Yeah. And I would say like on an HR perspective and a leadership perspective, I think there's a real amazing opportunity to connect with leadership, connecting with their HR teams to understand the benefits that they have accessibility to. So if they do have the ability to tap into parent-friendly programming that the organization is offering, there's such a responsibility for that information to be shared over and over and over again in order for an employee to take advantage of it. I can't tell you how many times I hear from employees like, oh, I didn't have, I didn't know I had access to this. Right. I, you know, wait, I found this out like three weeks after I returned that I could have like transitioned two days this week, three days next week and like done this gradual. I had no idea. And so then that builds resentment. So that's another component I would highly recommend making yeah. part of the discussion. It's almost like an an onboarding plan, right? Like yeah. what onboarding plan do you have for that employee in their return to work? And and like I like to say, it's not a 90-day plan. It's a how do you get them integrated back into the team? It might take longer than 90 days. It likely will, right? And as we think about new employees, similarly, you know, who can I connect them to who would be helpful in terms of mentorship or, you know, just a sounding board as they get back into their into their flow or into their new rhythm? 
Yeah, I agree. And so I, you know, kind of talking through some of the things we've talked about, one of the things that our work I see is this whole component of, I feel like a lot of it lands on HR and benefits teams, these responsibilities of these programs, and then also trying to get them like paid for. And then it just feels like a lot. And so I wanted to just talk through a little little bit from your perspective, are you seeing that, you know, HR professionals are feeling overwhelmed with all this more, like more responsibility that sort of fallen on their plate based on these incredible ideas of initiatives, but staffing, you know, maybe has not increased or the responsibilities have just fallen on certain individuals. But do you see that HR teams are more burnt out? Yeah, absolutely. So HR teams are very, very burnt out, very stretched. I think we're finally coming out the other side of the pandemic stress and burnout. So, so like, like parents really in recovery mode. And I think I'm starting to hear conversations again about strategic planning and about, you know, what can we do looking outwards versus what's happening right now, since we don't have kind of the vaccine mandates and the masking and the getting everyone home. And how are we setting people up on their computers and all that, that tactical stuff that unfortunately, a lot of the burden fell on HR through the pandemic. But I would say, you know, figuring out where, where this this element lands in their overall strategy and in their overall work is very helpful because the better they can communicate the value and the the business ROI to executive teams, the more likely it is to click and make sense and 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 be adopted, right? So nobody's going to deny that we need to take care of and support parents as they return to work. But where does that fit into our broader well-being strategy? Where does that fit into our broader DEI strategy? And sometimes it does take advocacy. Well, it always takes ad- advocacy from the business leaders to say, hey, this is really, really important to us. A- and it should go that way. It should be less about, I mean, HR is is the owner of certain initiatives and certain programs and obviously making sure that that companies aren't doing anything illegal and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, they should be creating their strategy based on what the business needs. And if the business isn't asking for for some of these components, then it may not be prioritized. So I think it's a I think it's actually a two-way street. It's HR HR business partners usually partnering with their business leaders kind of educating them on the importance of certain elements to focus on. But then also, we need the pull from the business to say, this is really important to me, because it's going to make my business better. And I'm, I, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, taking care of people so they can take care of the business, which is what Mark and I like to call human centered leadership. And so, you know, the pull from the business always goes a really long way. That's so what I'm hearing from that is we we need the employees to ask for these things to help build the case and get leadership on board. So when the, those conversations are happening, this is top of mind for the strategy with HR and leadership, which you know is something that I am seeing. So I will have someone reach out from marketing, like I just like random roles, not random roles in the sense of like, 
every rule is important, but not necessarily attached to benefits or HR, but feel so strongly because of their experience and their change that they experienced through being a parent and feeling like, wow, we don't have anything to support anyone here. So I'm going to take this on. I'm going to like make this a huge initiative for me to go after. And they're doing it unpaid and just wanting to support kind of being that change maker within the organization. And so that was sort of my next question was like, how can, you know, employees that are wanting to get, you know, parent-friendly programming or caregiving programming into their organization kind of at the top of mind of leaders. And what I'm hearing from you say is like, you just need to like be vocal and ask for it. Yeah. And the other channel, I mean, I've seen at, you know, great organizations, they have parent employee resource groups. So those employee resource groups sometimes are attached to HR. So sometimes have connection points to HR, but are usually run by by business line leaders. And so those are great avenues to, you know, test and learn and see what people want. Because again, back to my previous point, just just creating initiatives or programs because we feel like it's the right thing to do. It, it often ends up with projects that that don't go very far. But if you really get the voice of the employee and you really get to know what what is useful and what isn't, that goes a really long way. So I would say, A, getting involved in employee resource groups. If there's no parents employee resource group, there's often ways that you can propose new employee resource groups at big organizations. And or, you know, it may be as simple as creating a Slack channel or or a teams channel specifically about some of these topics and then i would say you know it would be great organizations are moving further away from kind of annual one and done pulse surveys they used to call it annual employment and enga- employee engagement surveys most organizations are moving away from that model because you just don't get the data on a regular basis and it's delayed by the time you you know digest all the reports So it would be actually a really great idea for leaders to have, you know, it could be a very simple survey asking parents who are returning to work about what they need, what would be most beneficial to them, because you may get some surprises, right? Like you may have all these benefits that you're offering that nobody really values. And then that doesn't serve that doesn't serve the returning parents and it doesn't serve the the organization. It's just a lot of wasted resource. So I would say those two things are ways that employees can connect to what's being offered from a from a parental support perspective. No, I love that. I mean, I think the solo person trying to like build a presentation to go to human resources and have these conversations with leadership while it's all good intended, there's got to be some meat on the bones for that through the employee group. And if you don't know if you have one, ask your leaders and continue to ask. And if they don't, like, yeah, I think of like when I was becoming a parent, going back to what you were talking about, mentorship, that was a huge component of I asked, like, I want to meet with leaders, women leaders that are that have families. I want to see how they do it. I want to like ask questions. And so I got connected with a couple and there's things that they said to me that I will never forget. I mean, it was like such a crucial, very easy statements that made such a difference and so hugely important. 
for me to be, like feel like, okay, this is a place that I can be. And I think that the other component to this, as we're talking about this topic just in general, is, you know, why is this so important for organizations? We need more representation of women in leadership. And unfortunately, if we're not creating an environment that allows women to succeed in leadership and for all employees, then they're going to leave. And that has been the case. And the data shows that that's what's happening. They're leaving for some place that is going to give them that support. Yeah. Role models and mentors are such a critical component here. So, you know, if you don't see people who are, you know, a few levels above you and are successful working parents, you know, you, you, you're likely to look elsewhere because you're saying you're, you're, you, you end up thinking there must be something systemic here that doesn't enable people like me to thrive. And, and it happens way more often than any, any organization would care to admit or want, right? So yeah. there are some simple tactics that you can definitely use and then think about how you can apply that at scale, right? So in absence of, you know, doing one-on-one matching every time someone comes back from maternity leave, how can you create that mentorship environment? How can cr- you create a culture where w- senior women want to mentor more junior women and be very open and vulnerable about some of the challenges they've faced, right? Because I've seen also the flip of, you know, these very successful senior leaders who appear to have everything under control and everything's all buttoned up. And that's not very motivating either, because that's usually not how you feel as you're returning to the workplace as a working mother. Yeah, it's so true. Those early stage stories are such a key component to it. And I always tell, for me personally, I always tell like I couldn't even drive around the block. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I had anxiety about leaving my house and I had to do a lot of work to work through the ability to actually drive to the office. Mm -hmm. And that took a lot of time to get through. And that is coming from like a place where I never, I was like, you know, see you later. I'm going to start like, and never had an issue. And then, you know, I think that women returning to work, and I say this for parents too, as dads too, because dads will actually try, Hey, I'm going to go on parental leave. And I, I can speak from the experience here in the U.S., and they're like, well, you didn't have the baby. Why are you going on leave? Right. Yes. And, There's still a lot of stigma out there for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. And so having those conversations and and dads advocating for their time off is such a key piece to this too, because it balances everything within the organization. And it also shows the really key component that is important for families to see as they're growing in the organization. So it's such a huge, we have to have men and women take parental leave and culture that's building going back to the leadership piece. When you look at sort of the stats on like how work gets distributed in the home, as you get further up in your career, work gets less for fathers and work gets more, it stays the same for mothers. Mm -hmm. So We're continuing to do all of it and also advancing our career. And if we have both dads and moms or all genders, and in this case, like really take that leave, 
the impact of that is we're seeing is that fathers are more engaged in in the house. So they're actually giving more support and help because they were actually there in the beginning and they saw how hard it was when they're going back to work before they're actually able to be in that environment. They're not as engaged because they didn't get to have that experience and see what their wife or significant other was going through. Mm-hmm. And this, this, the stats are a little different for same sex marriages too, but it's there too. Like it's just like that, that, pe- that component of you're not seeing your partner in general being home. It does have that impact. Mm-hmm, for sure. And so, you know, as we're kind of talking about parenting, you know, and kind of looking at how that kind of falls into our experiences on our podcast, we talk a lot about like how that impacts our own households and career. And I'd love to hear from you, like what that looks like for you in terms of, you know, being a parent and also having a career and how that's kind of historically gone for you as you've kind of changed careers and now own your own business. And yeah, just would love to hear how that's going. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, seven years ago, I decided to go out on my own, which, you know, partially was because I felt like our family needed some more flexibility. My husband and I were both commuting to offices every single day. I worked at a pretty flexible organization, so I was able to work from home a couple of days a week. But as I was thinking about kind of the next step on my career journey, I decided for myself and for our family, it would be best if I took a more flexible approach to my career, which doesn't mean that I'm stepping out of my career. And it's fully okay if people want to step out of their careers as well. And I'm a big advocate for let's support those women who have taken a step out of their career for a little while. Let's not penalize them for being home full time. They have skills that are still really really critical in many cases. So, you know, I'm a big advocate for let's not penalize someone for gaps in the resume. But I decided that I did that, that my career was a really critical part of what I wanted to do. And I really wanted to drive impact in the people space. And it, it depended less on my employment relationship with an organization and more on the actual impact I could drive. So for me, you know, having had a background in consulting before I was in HR, I was very used to project-based work. I was very used to managing multiple projects at the same time, both in my consulting career and in my HR roles. I was, you know, working on several projects at a time. And I guess, you know, we made the decision that I was going to be the one who was going to have a more flexible career for a little while. And a little while turned into seven years. And now, you know, I love what I do. I think now more than ever, you know, we can have flexible careers. We can have a portfolio career and it's been very fulfilling for me. So I don't feel like I've given up something on the career front in order to, in order to be a a parent. It's hugely helpful that I can take the kids to and from school every day. I block my calendar every day. And obviously there's exceptions when, you know, I can't get there. There's a critical meeting. It has to be at three o'clock, but you know, most of the people I work with are none the wiser. They don't, they just don't see three o'clock as a, as a slot that they can schedule with me. But there, you know, there are definitely times where the two collide and it's difficult to manage and it's difficult to juggle, but I'm extremely thankful that it's not an all or nothing, that it's not have a corporate job or, 
don't have a career at all. And that's changed a lot over the past 10 years. I mean, it used to be the case that most people who were in consulting type roles, like myself, were in transition, were in between two corporate jobs. And more and more people are choosing to work this way. And that's helpful. So, you know, I'm hugely thankful for the, for the opportunities that I've had as a, as an, as an independent, as a business owner. And I wouldn't give it up for the world. But for example, last week we were planning a very critical event for my son, a big celebration. And of course I had three client presentations in the very same week. And, you know, just continuing to, just be grateful for all the opportunities that are out there and and that that I'm able to, you know, balance is 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 helpful is the way that I approach things. What about you, Kim? I realized I'm a better parent because I work. And mm-hmm. that was a huge realization for me. I had a lot of guilt returning to work after our first son. I went back to a corporate position and it really, it really ate at me for not the right reasons. Mm -hmm. I should be doing this. This is, this is the role I should be playing versus really taking on the, the reality that this is actually what makes me happy. I, I'm more fulfilled by working. And I sort of like denied that for myself for a while because I thought I should be thinking differently now that I'm a mother. And I think that happens to a lot of mothers, especially if they have children later on in life. And I also think it happens for those that are staying at home too. They go through that same sort of thought, like I I should be doing something else because I spent all this time doing my career. I think it's really what works for you and your family. And I think that's a huge piece to it. I actually love working in corporate America, as crazy as that sounds for some people. I do too. I do too. I mean, I still work in corporate Canada now, but I I, I love it. I love working with corporates. Yeah. And I think that's probably because it's a comfort level for me. That's where I grew up in my career. I feel really, there's so many amazing people that I've met through the experience. And I just feel connected to making change here in the US and we actually support some of Canada too. And it's just been really wonderful to watch change happen because there's so many employees that want to make the change. They want to make that impact and they're so invested. And I just love that. So that's, that's why I'm. That's why I like, I, I really love what I do and also have the opportunity to continue to work with corporations. I did have one last question because I get this all the time. Like Canada has all this parental leave. And I know you and I talked about this offline, but what do you kind of see in terms of that impact for Canadians transitioning back to work? And do they... I think in the U.S., we look at these other countries and go, wow, like that's amazing. I wish. I wish. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a little bit peel back the curtain on on like that experience of that time frame. Do do you see that corporations embrace that amount of time or, or are they sort of like, okay, at this point, you know, the unspoken like comeback? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's all over the board. So I will say myth busting. Yes, we have job protection for 18 months, 
But that doesn't mean pay for 18 months. We have unemployment for a little bit, and then it's up to the the company whether they want to top up any further or not. So, so what I like about this approach is that it gives flexibility, right? Like if you need to or want to go back after three months or five months or six months or whatever it is, then you can. And if you want to take off longer, you can. It creates some challenge for leaders, for sure, and for teams, not knowing how long their employee is going to be out. And it's 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 kind of good and bad. So it's good because if you're expecting that your employee is going to be out for a year, that's a meaningful chunk of time where now, especially, you can do a meaningful developmental cross-train, right? Like you can do, you can give someone a meaningful experience as a mat leave cover. Whereas I found when I was in the US, you know, by the time you you leave and come back, it's like blink and and you're back, right? So I actually had the contrast of being in the States for my first child and in Canada for the second for my second child. And I took equal leaves for both children. I found that nine months was the sweet spot that I wanted, or I think it was actually six months, was the sweet spot that I wanted to be able to sleep through the night kind of establish kind of the village that I needed in order to help me as a working parent. And I don't think, I don't know, for me, it wouldn't have gotten any easier had I waited the full year when I was in Canada. So an opportunity came my way that I couldn't refuse and didn't want to refuse at the six month mark my second time around. And I jumped on it, you know, and, 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 and I've never looked back. I've never regretted it. I think, you know, as we know about how children develop. They're a lot more fun at a year than they are at six months. So, you know, sometimes, you know, you're returning to work at a year and it's even harder because you're, you know, you know what you're missing, all the fun things at home. Whereas, you know, if you return after six months, sometimes you don't feel that way. Anyway, I mean, everybody feels very differently. Their first child, their second child, different circumstances, whether they're excited about the work they're going back to, So what I like about the Canadian approach is that there is flexibility built in. And I know U.S. companies are trying to do better, trying to go to the five-month mark. But, you know, I remember being in the U.S. for my first and there being lineups for the, you know, for the lactation room. And that is a really hard thing, right? Like, not only are you trying to reacclimate to being a working person, but now you have to stand in line and kill another hour while, you know, the rest of your team is is moving on. So I, I thought that was a really big challenge in in the U.S. approach. Yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely some challenges in the U.S. Yeah. approach for sure. But that's, you know, because from what I had experience with working with Canadian employees is that, you know, that transition, whether or it was six months or a year was still hard because it was different. Yeah, yeah exactly. It was different. Yeah. You know, it's so, hard for different reasons. For exactly. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Where in the US, it's like physical, like legit physical things that are, we're just not recovered from yet. And then, and, and so I, I also love the idea of that flexibility because it also gives the component that you talked about, which, several clients of mine have had where they've been like, is it bad? I'm actually excited to go back to work. Right. It's like, like guilt. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. You love your job. You love your family. They both can exist. They don't have to be separate. That's amazing. So anyway, I love that perspective because that is something that we get all the time between that and Europe. It's, it's everywhere. It's constantly being talked about. So yeah, for for sure. Yeah. 
as we close out, I can't believe we've been talking for almost an hour. Yes. <laughs> we always ask at Motherhood and Career Collide, like, how did how did the world slide for you this week? So I would thought we could end maybe with that question, unless you have anything else you wanted to ask. No, I, I have to think. I mean, I kind of alluded to how my motherhood and 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 career collided last week, which was, you know, asking for different, even though there were big presentations that needed to be delivered, I had to ask for, you know, can we move it here instead of here in order to accommodate what was going on in my family life? So, I mean, I, I can't even articulate more examples because they happen on the regular, right? Like someone who wants to talk to me at 3 p.m. and I know that I'm going to be in the car. So just being very open about we can have that conversation at 3 p.m., but just so you know, I'm going to be in the car, right? And just being open and, and honest about these things. I think, you know, everybody experiences life. So I would say that those are the two collisions that I can think of right at this moment. What about you, Kim? Did you experience any collisions this week or last week? Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking beforehand about this. So I went on like my first like work trip where I did something in person. We've been operating virtually since the pandemic. So this was, it was exciting and new and also like a little, I was a little anxious about it too. And stepping away and then coming back was really hard because we also had spring break prior to that. So the collision was this idea of like, hey, I have spring break, but then I have this work trip and I got to like make up, I got to like connect with everyone because I'd already been out for spring, spring break with the kiddos. And now I've got to like prepare for this work on these work events. And it all felt like, wow, I forgot this feeling. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. oh my gosh, I used to travel way more often and this looked very different before. And now combining them sort of hitting at almost the same exact time. Like I got back from spring break and, and three days later, I was on a work trip for two days and and then like coming back from that. So, you know, for me, that really was like one of those moments where you have to just like go through it and experience it and, and like get, you know, get the training wheels off again and like understand, okay, well, this is how I'm going to navigate this for our family. So that was sort of, that's how it's collided. It collided last week. And I'm still sort of like catching up from that. And you know what? It's interesting because you said like the boundaries things, when you're doing things like this, it also exercises those boundaries. Like you're exercising those those pulse impulses of how you navigate those boundaries. Like my impulse was like, ah, I'm so sorry. Like I can't get to that email yet. And it's sort of like coming back and being like, no, like I'm, you know, I will get to it. And this is the time that's set aside for that and feeling okay about that. That's something that you have to work on and and kind of navigate and then set those expectations for yourself again. Yeah, for sure. Prioritization becomes so important. I mean, some things as a new returning parent to the workforce, it's just it's just very, very clear. And then there's other times where you really have to deliberately prioritize your life before you go into the week so that you've set the boundaries for yourself and you know what needs to be delivered and what can be delayed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
It's so true. And I had loved talking to you today. Me too. Likewise, it's been a blast. And thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. And thank you for coming to ours. Yeah, vice versa. And just since we close out, like how can, if if anyone's interested in finding you, I'm sure we have some HR professionals on our listen. How can they find you? So you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Naomi Titleman on LinkedIn. Our website is Future Forward with an HR in it. So F-U-T-U-R-E-F-O-H-R-W-A-R-D. And our podcast is the Foresight Podcast. And it's available on wherever you listen to your podcasts. What about you, Kim? Where can we find you? So you can find me, same thing on LinkedIn, Kimberly Didrickson. And we also have our the com- that I own Learning Motherhoods on there. And our website is learningmotherhood.co. And then you can also find Motherhood and Career Collide anywhere you listen to podcasts. So yeah, hope to hope to hear from you. Let us know how what you think of today. It was so nice. I'm glad to be like your first crossover. You're only yes. our second. So <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I love this idea. So we will do more of them. Thank you, Kim. And all the best and have a great rest of your week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Foresight. If you enjoyed the episode, we would love to hear from you. Leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Your ratings and reviews also help more people like you find our show so that we can reach more future forward leaders and achieve our mission of making work better. Follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn at Future Forward and sign up for our weekly newsletter, Foresight, on our website, futureforward.com. That's F-U-T-U-R-E-F-O-H-R-W-A-R-D.com where we share even more about the new world of work. Talk to you next week.